Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis from Elsevier, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the pandemic and beyond. Hi, I'm Shivaglani. The use of imaging is a cornerstone of modern medicine, with technological advancements in the field giving providers more options for diagnosis and treatment all the time. Today in Ray's Line, we're going to take a look at how radiology fits into the broader healthcare picture and why training in medical imaging is so important to improving patient care. We'll tackle those questions and more with Daniel Arnold, the CEO and co-founder of Medality, formerly known as MRI Online. Medality is a practice development platform that helps radiologists upskill in high-growth, advanced imaging areas and modalities. Daniel holds an MBA from Harvard Business School, where we were actually classmates and friends, and worked previously at Google, developing new products in the edtech sector and at Accenture in strategy consulting. He also hosts his own show, the Radiology Report podcast. So Dan, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks, Shiv. Big fan of the show and excited to be on. Awesome. So we like to get started by just having our guests in their own words describe their background. So, you know, what got you interested in, you know, your education journey and then ultimately business school and now modality? Sure. So I actually studied engineering in undergrad at Northwestern, but was always more interested in business and entrepreneurship, just happened to be my strengths were in math and science. And so I studied industrial engineering, which is around how to apply math and science to business problems, and then went into strategy consulting for Accenture, where I helped large companies with a range of supply chain operations, strategy, technology projects, but ultimately didn't love working for large companies. Always wanted to do something a little more innovative and entrepreneurial and had an opportunity to work at Google um, launching new products. So kind of working in, at startups within Google. One of the startups that I worked at within Google was a product called Google Helpouts. And the idea behind Google Helpouts was every day people come to Google asking them millions of questions. And oftentimes, if you could answer that question, if you could connect a person to an expert, they can your question more quickly. So I'm struggling with my math homework, or I can't get my code to compile, or how do I install the Samsung TV? You know, you could spend an hour on Wikipedia or YouTube, but if we could just connect you to an expert over at the time, Google Helpouts, which was, you know, kind of using their Hangouts technology, we could solve their problems. And so it was a really clever idea. And I helped start the business within Google, and I was overseeing all their education efforts. The idea was to build an online tutoring marketplace where we get help with math and science and language. It was exactly the right idea, but 10 years too early. This was back in 2011. It was before Zoom. It was before micropayments, creator economies, like all these trends were exactly right. And it is just timing is everything. And also starting a company within Google or within a big company is really challenging. But I learned a lot there and I really got my front row seat into how education was changing and how access to information via the internet was, was going to transform the way we learn. That sort of bit, as I mentioned at the start, like my goal was always to start a business. And so I decided to get my MBA and the goal post-business school was to start a company or join an early stage startup. But as you know, in 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 medicine, you're 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 at the mercy of residency and all the different steps in that process. And I was engaged at this time to my now wife, Taylor, who was finishing up med school in Cincinnati and she didn't know where she would be next. And so we were waiting eagerly for the match. And I was like, how can I start a company? I don't know where we're going to live, what's going to happen. This was before remote work. And so I moved to Cincinnati and said, I'll take on some consulting projects here in Cincinnati while we figure out where you match. And during that time, hooked up with Dr. Stephen Pomeranz, my co-founder and the chair of Modality, as well as the chair of ProScan Imaging. At the time, he was going around the world. He's first and foremost a radiologist. So 90% of his time is practicing medicine. But at the time, he was going around 
giving lectures in person. And then he'd fill a conference room in Vienna, Austria with 200 people to hear him lecture about shoulder MRI. And I thought, gee, that's neat. Um, have you thought about putting these lectures online? And he's like, yeah, I have. And, and because of my experience at Google, we thought, hey, you know, there's some complementary skill sets there. Why don't I, I think I know how to, how to do this. And so that's where the company was started. And now we're here today. And I'll tell you a little bit more about about how we got from here to there. But uh, that's that's how I ended up in medicine. Never would have guessed that I'd be in healthcare or education per se. Always wanted to be in tech and, and, and business. And I found this amazing intersection between these fields where the work that we're doing has a really big impact. And, you know, I'm scratching my entrepreneurial itch. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And I agree. Well, going back to the experience at Google with Helpouts about timing, we had a guest a couple months ago who started Straighter Line, which was Back in 2005, 2006, it's a very successful company that, that reduces the cost to get online college credits. Mm. But he started well before anybody knew what a MOOC was or Coursera edX existed. But he had this great quote, which we used in the podcast pullout, which was, if you stick around long enough, your timing is perfect. <laughs> and so certainly early to the party with regard to online tutoring uh, on demand. So it's good good to have those learnings and, and realize that there's element of serendipity and, and luck that comes with all of this stuff as well. So going to modality, you know, even the founding story of how this physician you've teamed up with went and did lectures in person. When we met up in Park City a couple of months ago, I talked to you about one of our investors and my advisor, Aaron Sconner, who started Pluralsight, who was teaching computer science in person, live lectures, and then decided to get it all online and became a very successful online learning company in the corporate learning space for, for coding and upskilling. So let's get more into modality because, you know, obviously there's been an explosion in online learning in healthcare. That's what osmosis has been focused on. Tell us more about the field of radiology, why it's so important that people, you know, are learning uh, MRI, the shoulder MRI, you know, what you think about how that's going to evolve over the next five, 10 years too, just given everything we've learned about and talked about with regards to say AI in, in imaging, et cetera. Yeah. You know, I knew nothing about radiology before I started and, and I'm learning more every day. And it's an amazing, an amazing field. Imaging has really become the tip of the spear of the patient journey, you know, from diagnostics, figuring out what's wrong with the patient to cancer staging, surgical planning, and, you know, really taking a patient through their care plan. Oftentimes, it, you know, they might be getting a lot of imaging throughout their, their care journey. And so nearly all treatment pathways start with some amount of imaging. And, and so if you're a patient today, chances are you're being impacted in imaging. And despite how important it is, Shiv, you'd be amazed at how often doctors get it wrong. Studies show over 20% of the time that a subspecialty radiologist overreads the first read of a, of a patient's imaging, they get it wrong. They disagree with some of the core findings that would have changed this patient's treatment plan. And so despite it being done millions of times per year, we get it wrong a lot. And so what happens when you get imaging wrong? Well, it's most banal, you get it wrong and it's, you know, you're getting ping pong from specialist to specialist. You don't know what's wrong. You keep getting, you know, you keep trying to figure out what's wrong with you to its most serious, you know, it's a it's a misdiagnosis that could have really changed the trajectory of someone's life, whether it's a missed cancer and an opportunity for early prevention or, you know, some other more serious things that you could find. And so it's a really high impact field for patients and getting it right is really important. And so that's really what motivates us. And, and as you think about imaging, it has grown tremendously. The demand for imaging just continues to grow unabated. Post-COVID, we're facing one of the most serious labor shortages in radiology we've ever seen. And what's really exciting about AI is all the promise. You know, there's there's been a lot of discussion around how AI might be able to do many of the tasks for radiologists. What's actually happened is AI is adding 
work to the radiologist's plate because now when you're getting stroke imaging, there's the AI is giving you additional data and information that's really important for you to consider. When you're getting your cardiac screening, you're getting additional information to consider. And so the AI is actually giving you more data to consider. And so actually it's added to the workflows of radiologists. Over time, this will change and there's hopefully some imaging that we can automate and, and release from the radiologist workload. But so you've got imaging going up, up, up. You've got AI coming and bringing change. And, and so people need to learn and, and continue to improve at this field. And, and maybe the final point on this is, you know, people thought in an ideal world, you, you do radiology, you do residency, it's four years, then you do a fellowship and you go even deeper and might do neuroradiology or musculoskeletal radiology. And so the hope is that, you know, anytime you get imaging done, you're going to get seen by a subspecialty trained radiologist. The reality is over 98% of radiologists in this country are fellowship trained, meaning they've gone deeper in, in, in a level. Yet over 55% of radiologists practice in three or more specialties and two, uh, 85% in two or more specialties. And so just because you've done subspecialty training doesn't mean that you can only practice what you've learned in your subspecialty. And so as the field evolves and changes, you can't just rely on what you learned in residency and fellowship. You need to continuously stay up to date. Yeah, no, absolutely. That makes sense, especially as as new, you know, pa patient loads are getting higher. There's elderly population, there's demand for radiology is going up, as you're saying. And certainly the number of new med schools or GME radiology spots has not increased. So I'm curious from a user perspective, is it mostly just radiologists? Or do you also have, you know, can you tell us a bit more about kind of who modality reaches? How many courses you have, like however you define that? Yeah. And and do you work mostly? Is it mostly directly to the radiologists or is it B2B to radiology practices and health systems? Yeah, give us a sense of some of that. Yeah. So our mission is to transform the way radiologists learn and thrive. Over 95% of the people practicing on our platform today are radiologists. Someday our mission will expand to include additional fields of medicine. But what really makes modality different is our core focus on understanding the radiologist challenges and building case-based simulation courses that enable them to practice and improve. So what that means is, you know, let's say you're trying to learn something. And our goal, by the way, is to make it easy for radiologists to learn a new subspecialty in just five minutes per day. And the way that we do that is through our case-based micro-learning courses. So you're trying to learn shoulder MRI, as an example, you are presented with a case of a patient who was playing football and tackled and went to the ground. Here is their shoulder MRI. What's wrong with them? Uh, you scroll through that shoulder MRI on our phone, iPad, workstation, you know, any way that you, you like, and it completely mimics the experience of practicing radiology in the cloud. From there, you give your best shot at the diagnosis. And then you have an expert world-class radiologist like Dr. Don Resnick, who wrote the book in MSK Radiology, explain to you in detail how to approach that case. And so that approach of teaching really mimics the experience of a resident or a fellow training side-by-side -side with an attending all online. And so that's what makes our product unique. And then because it's short, you know, similar to osmosis videos, two to four minute videos paired with the simulation training, it's really easy to do a little bit each day and take on new skills. We have courses, you know, we started out in MSK MRI, but we've expanded to cover all modalities. So we have courses in PET, CT, ultrasound, breast tomosynthesis, and so many more. And so that's why we've changed our name from MRI Online to Modality to, to reflect that expanded scope. We have over 100 courses covering pretty much anything that a radiologist needs to know in the field of advanced imaging. And so when I say advanced imaging, what does that mean? You know, it's not just what residents need to know to pass their boards and their clinical rotations. It's actually what private practice radiologists out there every day, your community radiologist in Idaho, trying to you know build your practice 
and new things are coming out all the time for you to integrate into your practice. You can come to Modality and, and learn those skills and integrate them. That's awesome. That's really great to hear. And so speaking of like kind of lifelong learning and and um, you know the things that make radiology unique, I think you you've, we also talked about when we were walking about this uh, concept of a remote fellowship and some of the things that you saw during the pandemic in terms of how you started kind of online grand rounds. Can you talk to us about some about some of the innovations, particularly those brought about over the past two three years as the COVID pandemic has uh, as has, has changed everything really. Yeah, you know, right around the time of the pandemic, our original plan was that we would fly people into our studios, which we have, we'd build our courses that way, and that people would would love to do that. And it turned out that the pandemic, we thought, gee, no one's going to travel to our studios anymore. At the same time, residents were no longer able to go in for lecture. And, and so there's this huge gap in the market. And so we started a daily lecture series called Noon Conference. Um that to this day persists. We put on each week and has been attended every week by thousands of radiologists around the world. And it's a free resource that we put on there. It has enabled us to have over you know, 400 of the world's top radiologists from pretty much every academic institution share their knowledge with the world. And we make that a free resource to the radiology community. And then we pair that with our products, like our, our mastery courses and remote fellowships for people that are looking to deep in their knowledge. So an example of how we do that is an area like prostate MRI. So in the past, prostate MRI didn't exist. It's a relatively new technology and it's growing rapidly. It was actually one of the fastest growing CPT codes over the last five years. And it used to be the case that, you know, if you had, uh, I'm nervous because I'm not a doctor, I'm going to explain this uh, wrong on your show, but you, you, might, you used to have more intensive treatment for elevated BPH and risks of prostate cancer. But the reality is everyone over the age of 60 has prostate cancer. And it turns out in a, many, in a majority of cases, you actually don't need to cut out the prostate. You can watch it on MRI over time. And so as a result, aging population, every man over the age of 60 has prostate cancer. There's been an explosion in prostate MRI. And so when a new field like that emerges, but you were in residency 15 years ago, how do you, how do you take that and apply that to your practice. And so we created a mastery series course, which are those short simulation courses. And then we have what's called a remote fellowship where you can actually read those cases and you can dictate a report the same way that a radiologist dictates a report today. That report then gets graded by a subspecialist giving you feedback like, Shiv, you called it a Pyrads 3. It's actually a Pyrads 2. Here's why. Anytime you do these cases, it's really important for the patient that you comment on these key measurements. And the urologist is going to need to know this for surgical planning. And so they're giving you very catered feedback on this. And you can do this from home, integrated into your clinical workflow. So I can actually pull these cases up at work and learn on the job. And so what this enables me to do as a practice, you're asking who's our customers, is it individuals, is it radiologists, is it residents? It's actually radiology groups. And let me explain why. So if you're a large radiology practice, one of the biggest trends in radiology is consolidation. The average group size has more than doubled over the past 10 years as, as groups have, have, have leveled up. And so you're looking at, hey, prostate MRI is the fastest growing CPT code. I need, to, or I need to offer this in order to serve my patients effectively, as well as to grow my business. But I don't have anyone on my staff that can confidently read prostate MRI. So I'll look at my people that are capable and interested in learning this skill and then give them the tools that they need to learn it. And then through modality, they actually get data showing that, hey, you know, when Shiv started his remote fellowship, he was missing 
two or three cases out of five. He's now no longer missing any cases. He's reviewed over 75 prostate MRI cases. 25 of them have been graded by a specialist. He's ready to go. And so that gives you the confidence then to plug your radiologists into this new field and grow your and grow your business. And, and that example in prostate MRI is happening across the board in imaging. If you look at areas like the growth in TOMO, the growth in breast MR, cardiac CT, I could go on and on. And so those are the types of tools that we provide. Yeah, I love that. That's really great. And, and the, the fact that you're so close to practicing clinicians who, you know, can can upskill, up level. I'm curious too. like, so the holy grail of education, what makes health education different than language education or math education? There's three big things. One, it's high stakes. Like that's probably the biggest thing that like, you know, if you forget how to factor or conjugate a verb, you may embarrass yourself, but it's not going to hurt anybody. Whereas if you misdiagnose somebody for whatever reason, that could really hurt their their life and, and your career in the process. It's dynamic. So, you know, we constantly are finding new modalities and generally are evolving our understanding of the human body, new treatments, et cetera. So that's a that's a that's a separate change. And then it's too vast. It's too vast for any one person to know, which is why we need, you know, computer assists in general or clinical decision support. So the holy grail of health education, though, given these is I think ultimately patient outcomes. Are we getting higher quality care? and ideally lower cost care and more access. How do you define kind of success for modality? Is it just the number of radiologists you've trained? Obviously, you're going to expand beyond some of the MRI work that's part of the name rebrand. But are you able to do any like studies where you're going to look at yeah. radiology groups that have adopted modality versus those who don't? And you know what, what are they reporting in terms of, in terms of outcomes? It's a great question, Shiv, and it's one we ask ourselves all the time. I'll tell you, one of our core values is driven to help doctors save lives. So at the end of the day, our mission is to make doctors more successful through our platform, driving better patient outcomes. And we're, you know, we, we measure that a few ways and we're continuing to learn and grow in this area in particular. The first way that we measure it, which is pretty interesting, is we survey patient, uh, we survey doctors after each course. We say, hey, is this going to change the way that you practice? Yes or no? And secondarily, how many patients do you treat that would be impacted by this course each day? And we actually just hit an amazing milestone. Over 10 million patients would be impacted over the last two years from the from the courses that we wow, do. Wow, that's great. And you know, we're just we're just getting started. And so, and the reason radiology is so impactful is, you know, the average radiologist might be doing 50 to 100 patient cases per day. So if you think about the impact of of, of changing quality and behavior of a radiologist, you can have a lot of impact in the in the world. The next way that we're looking at this is we look at our remote fellowships where we can see in in a simulation environment what percentage of the time are they getting things right versus wrong. What we see is about a 200% increase in accuracy from the start of their fellowship to the end of their fellowship from that from that course. And so we measure pre and post tests there. We've actually got some papers that we're going to be writing in the next year where we've partnered with both academic programs and practices to measure this and, and get some published results out. But some early data has shown that through our emergency department preparedness course, where we help people prepare for covering the ER and covering call, we're seeing an increased confidence and increased accuracy from about 25% before they start our courses to around 75 to 80% after. So just tremendous results across the board. You know, what I'd love to do as I as I think longer term about this is figure out how to integrate our technology deeper with practices where they can say, hey, you know, we, we've partnered up with, um, a really good example of a company is 
or maybe the payers or the life insurance companies to say, hey, you know, the the number of claims against these people have gone down as a result of the work that you've been doing. Um, and so we're trying to deepen deepen that. And I'd be curious to hear how others in the space have approached this, but really excited about the early results here. Totally. No, I love that. And one group, I don't know if I have connected you with or will, if you're interested, they're one of our large investors at Osmosis is a medical malpractice insurance company called Coveris, which has invested in several companies, including our friends at Visual DX, which started off with dermatology education. And the whole point was to you know improve diagnostic capabilities of dermatologists, but it's expanded beyond dermatologists too. And sort of like how you know you can get a redu- reduction in your premium yeah. on driving if you take a driving course or put put a device in your car. Similarly, maybe you could get advantages on your medical malpractice insurance because clearly radiologists who are self-directed learners who are using modality and others, you know, ideally there's research to back all this stuff up, perform better and you know miss miss less diagnoses or have more accurate diagnoses, etc. So that would be an ideal, I think, uh, kind of way to align incentives with the different stakeholders in, in a very complex healthcare field. Absolutely. Nearly all radiologists will face a malpractice claim at some point in their career. It's one of the more litigious specialties because it is so you're looking at so many images. You, you might look at one person's cardiac CT and then have to diagnose cancer in a different part of the body that isn't the reason that they came in. And you're looking at a thousand images while you're doing that. And so, uh, and you do that a hundred times a day. And and so being trained in this is so hard. And, and that's where also I think education plus AI can, can really drive profound patient outcomes. Totally. So what are some of the other, I mean, major long-term trends in radiology that, that you want to mention here? Again, I'm, AI is top of mind yep. because of all the things we've heard from, but there's also, you know, Tom Friedman popularized the fact that radiologists in India were being hired by U.S. hospitals to do overnight, you know, imaging. So we're constantly looking at images and getting reports in. What are some other long-term trends? Some of the advances coming are just so amazing. I mean, the advances in stroke imaging are truly life-saving. I'm sure you're familiar with the the phrase time to brain and just how important it is. Imaging plays a central role there. Um, you you require a good imaging results in order to figure out if a patient is is you know susceptible to those drugs. And so just in the past few years, the way that AI plus modality advances have come together in a in a cross-care way, bringing together the neurointerventionalists, the ER doctors, the radiologists, those types of things get me really excited. There's a new one coming out in, in cardiac CT where they've they've finally decided that you know cardiac CT is a first-line treatment for chest pain and can prevent early heart disease. And, and heart attack risk. And so as a result, there's going to be explosion in cardiac CT imaging, which is going to save lives. That's the things, those are the things and trends that I get excited about, which is, hey, we've, we, you know, some genius at Harvard or Penn or Hopkins has uncovered the best way to treat patients. And then they go, how do we disseminate this information as quickly as possible to drive change? And I think tools like ours can really, really help with that. Because in the past, you'd be relying on people eventually finding the time to go to the course and take and, and take it. And, and by the way, it's not just education, but it's it's education. But then you also help have to help people understand how to integrate this technology into their business model in a way that will help them continue to, to grow their business. If you say, hey, you know, you should adopt this technology, but it's going to cost you money, and it's going to slow you down and patients are not going to like it very much. Well, that doesn't really work. And so being a part of the, the puzzle around how we disseminate new techno- life-saving technologies is what really 
motivates us and gets us excited. You know, one of the other big trends I think we are helping with is there's been a massive consolidation in radiology. One of the biggest groups in the, in the field is Rad Partners. They now have 10% of the market. They didn't exist five years ago to put this in perspective. So from zero to 3000 radiologists, you know, relatively overnight. And this has caused a lot of consternation and fear among ra radiology groups who want to maintain their independence. Well, to be an independent group as a 10, 15, 20 person radiology group, it's incredibly complex in today's environment where not only do you have multiple modalities from a hardware perspective, you got to have MRCT, PET, all these different things. You also now need to think about how do we integrate AI? And by the way, everyone wants their, their images available instantly on their phone. They want reports in minutes and hours, not days and weeks. And so you know, how do you provide that level of service to a hospital or to a, a bunch of hospitals as a small group of 15? That's really, really hard. And so if we can provide education tools that enable them to stay up to speed and maintain their independence longer and faster, um, that, that's something we, we really want to help with. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's something certainly that we don't learn that much in med school or even residency is the actual practice and business of medicine. So certainly that's a, something interesting as a, as a, as a side benefit of companies like Modality. And we're coming up in time. So I did have, just have two last questions for you. The, the first is what advice would you give to our audience listening to this about approaching their careers? Most of them are going into careers in healthcare, but some of them cl clearly may want to be entrepreneurs in, in health education like you and me or you know, contribute to the healthcare system in other ways. So what, what advice would you give them about approaching their careers? So, you know, certainly if you're if you're going into medicine, focus on continuing learning and, and building those habits early, you know, no different than you and I, you know, we both like to exercise and we always find time during the day to, you know, hit the gym. You got to find time each day to, to hit to hit the online education. And I think building those habits early can have a long-term payoff for what you're trying to do. So I think that would be like the shameless plug. I think one of the things that, that you learn in, in business school and at Google certainly is, you know, you have to create a, you have to solve a problem. You have to create a product that people will buy. And they, both of us took that approach in building our businesses. We didn't just have an idea on a piece of paper and then go raise money and then and then go build it, right? We, we built something janky overnight, didn't look perfect. Then we sold a few and they said, hey, this is kind of good. And, and we were fine. And that's certainly how we built this business, brick by brick, built a course, sold a course, built a course, sold a course, you know, never hired an engineer until we were a few years into this thing. And so, so we bootstrapped our way to this business. It's the only way I've, I've known how. So I think that's number one. It's like you can certainly bootstrap your way into most of these businesses. And then number two is, my founder and I, we have very complementary skill sets. And you know, oftentimes you have three doctors come together and want to start a business. You have three business people that want to come together and start a business. But the real the real magic is when you can get, you know, a business person and a doctor and an engineer to come together and start a business. And so that's where places like Harvard and where you ultimately took your medical training to then go get an MBA, I think was really helpful for you to develop these complementary skill sets to your team. And and I think that can be really helpful advice for any doctor who's thinking about getting started. Probably don't start the business with your co-residents, you know, go, go go hang out in the design school, the engineering school or, or the business school. Yeah, it's a really interesting point. And one reason I think uh, places like Stanford have done so well with entrepreneurship, it's part of the culture. But also, if you literally go to the campus, the med school and the engineering school and the business school are all very close to each other. Versus at, at Hopkins, it's like many different campuses. Hmm. As you know, HBS, the Harvard School of Engineering, just moved right next to it. 
that's not a mistake. They're doing that intentionally so that the, the really smart engineers get to know the really ambitious and, and hustling uh, MBAs and they, together they create magic. And obviously the med school, you know, tries to send people over and vice versa. So it's really interesting and a really good point in how geography can, you know, that serendipity of having these Brownian dots connect can, can lead to really good outcomes. The last question I have for you, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you'd like to share with our audience before we let you go? You know, I, I, I think not yet, but have me on the show in two years, maybe 18 months, so I can take the lid off some of what we've been up to and, and, and our business will, will, will have grown and evolved leaps and bounds. And I can't wait to share that with you. That's awesome, Dan. Well, I'm really excited for you and everything that you're doing. You and the team are doing at Modality. It's really important work and, and certainly something we'll keep a close, close watch on and see how we can partner too. Awesome. Thanks, Chip. Awesome. Thanks again. And with that, I'm Shivibani. Thank you to our audience for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to raise line and strengthen our healthcare system. We're all in this together. Take care. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our episodes at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. Mm-hmm.